How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Welcome into the Nightcap here on WGR. Happy Thursday and happy return of football today. Zach Jones along with you for the next hour as we prepare for football officially to technically be back. Yes, it is the Hall of Fame game. Yes, it is preseason. But from here until the Super Bowl, there will at least be an NFL and or college game on every single week. I'm thrilled. I'm excited. I can't wait. I'm going to watch about 10 seconds of the Hall of Fame game, but I'm excited that football's back. I can't wait. I cannot wait. But in all seriousness, like it, the Hall of Fame game will always be that to me. The official start to the next football season, whatever it is, the season's 2022-23, next season 23-24, whatever. And we all have the exact same response. Well, that was fun. Um, I'm going to go do literally anything else now after about 10 minutes. Because it is, it's worse than the preseason. It is truly its own level of, wow, I don't know a single one of these people on this team. Usually the two teams, I'm not going to lie, there's never been that like quarterback prospect either that's a rookie that you're excited to watch. And so it kind of gives off this like almost ugly feel that's even worse than most preseason. Like tonight, Trevor Lawrence for the Jacksonville Jaguars is not even playing. Neither is their second string quarterback in C.J. Beathard. Travis Etienne, who nobody has seen in an NFL uniform, won't play either. I don't know totally about the Raiders in terms of who's not playing for them, but, I mean, of course, Derek Carr's not going to touch the field. Neither is Devontae Adams. Josh Jacobs certainly isn't. Darren Waller, no. So there is sort of like that like ugliness to it. But to be honest, it's still something to watch. It, it's football. It's live plays. There's points being scored. There will be highlights tomorrow on all the morning shows. So that'll be exciting, right? I mean, like that's always good to see. And again, it's just more, it's football is back. You know, next Saturday, we have the Bills' first preseason game. In a little bit, we'll talk um, kind of what I want to see from the Bills this preseason. Obviously, number one, I'm just going to get it right out of the way. For Josh Allen to not see the field, I never want to see him dressed. I don't even want to see him in uniform. I want to see him in a large bucket hat with, like, a Bills t-shirt and, you know, at worst, sweatpants. Like, that's it. I don't want to see him touch the field. I really don't even want Diggs on the field. The two safeties, Hyde and Poyer, no, N- no. I don't want either of them on the field. Just let it be rookies and backups. Maybe in the third game, get the starters out there just to get like you know some of the rust off. Work with Ken Dorsey a little bit. They did that last year against Green Bay, where the starting offense. I mean, I think Josh threw the ball like twenty-five times. They targeted Emmanuel Sanders a ton. I think that was more just because he was dealing with injuries throughout camp, so it was more just to get him and Josh on the same page. With Pittsburgh obviously coming up, you know, from that point two weeks until then. But what do I hope to see tonight from the Hall of Fame game? Honestly, just a solid football game. I'd like to see a lot of points. That's always been a thing that's bothered me with the Hall of Fame game, too. Some preseason games you'll see, there's genuinely a lot of points. Like, the backups are really playing their heart out, and it's genuinely not a bad watch. There are other games where it ends like 10-3, to 3 and you're like, that was... that I, I didn't have fun. I felt like I was forced to watch that, and it was awful. 
I will tell you there's one player I definitely want to watch. He's on Vegas. It's Jarrett Stidham, formerly of the New England Patriots. But to be fair, like Jared Stidham was one of those guys in college that I had no reason to like like and thought he would do well in the NFL. But I kind of just did. I mean, he was one of the best high school quarterbacks in the state of Texas. He went to Baylor, so I watched a lot of him being a Texas fan myself. So I watched a lot of him in the Big 12, and he was really good there. Transferred to Auburn, and it went downhill from there. I mean, I think he had 18 touchdown passes in one year in college, which that's a crime in and of itself. I, in college especially, how are you only throwing 18 touchdown passes? But he does throw a pretty football, so at least that'll be aesthetically pleasing. Jake Luton is expected to get the start for the Jaguars tonight. It is weird, though, to see the Jaguars do the Hall of Fame game. Because they do the Hall of Fame game, you know, usually it's someone from the respective team goes into the Hall of Fame. For the Raiders, it's Cliff Branch. For the Jaguars, it's uh, Tony Baselli, I believe. And so... It's it's just it is weird though to see him and, and to be honest a lot of it is because well Jacksonville doesn't have any Hall of Famers this is their first Hall of Famer ever but the Jaguars have always felt like a weird team to me like Carolina I've never felt and of course they've been around my entire life but I've never felt like they were like this like oddity in the NFL partially because they made a Super Bowl early in their history and so they kind of you know really really cemented their legacy in the NFL. It was like, all right, we're a team. We're here. They lost, yes, but they made it to a Super Bowl. They've made it to two in their entire history. So, I mean, they've they've been cemented. Houston Texans, they were the Houston Oilers. And I, and like, I know of those teams. Dan Pastorini in the 70s, Warren Moon in the late 80s, 90s, Eddie George. I mean, like, they're, like they're, those are genuine teams. Bruce Matthews is one of the best offensive linemen ever. Earl Campbell, of course. So, I mean, like, the Houston Oilers into the Houston Texans, like, that's fine. That works for me. I'm okay with that. It's almost like it's almost like the Cleveland Browns leaving for Baltimore and vice versa. Baltimore, Colts becoming the Ravens when they left Cleveland. You know, it's, it's yes, technically a second history, and yes, technically a completely new team. But, in part, I kind of continue that legacy. That's Houston's legacy. It's Baltimore's legacy. It's Cleveland's legacy. Jacksonville's the weird one. And, and, and I mean, truthfully, they are. They are the weird one. Jacksonville's far more of a college town in terms of, you know, the sports they root for. I would far more consider that town a Gators town with the Florida Gators than I would ever Jacksonville Jaguars. And yes, as Bills fans, we know all too well uh, the Bills playing a game in Toronto. They only would have seven home games because for years they would play a home game in Toronto. And really until the Pagulas bought the team and now with the stadium agreement coming up, it always kind of felt like there was still a potential that the Bills could be sold, that they could leave Buffalo. With the Jaguars, number one, they don't really have a passionate fan base or a historical fan base that kind of makes you sit there and go, mm, they should stay. They don't have the historical you know, relevance. The Bills are one of the very, very original teams back in the 60s. They won two AFL championships. You know, they were one of, like, the major teams of the merger as well to make the modern NFL that we see today. Jacksonville has literally none of that. Jacksonville does have some, you know, underrated players. I think Mark Brunel in the early 90s was a lot of fun for people. You know, one of the I, I think he led the league in passing yards one year. I think only one year. They had some good receivers. I'm blanking on all of their names. But it's the thing, too. I mean, the, the Jaguars, though, also have had, like, a weird playoff run. Like, they, they, they always seem to find themselves in, like, this uncomfortable, wow, the Jaguars are there. That's weird. They ended Dan Marino's career, I think, 62-7 to in the, in the wild card game. 
Obviously, with Blake Bortles and Doug Marone, which, unbelievable. They made the AFC Championship game not that long ago. They had a great defense not that long ago. But this, but this genuinely feels like the first time these like the Jaguars genuinely could become a staple in the NFL. Because up to this point, their only staple really is that they wind up in London once a year to play another team that has to go there. They are sort of the London Jaguars, which is interesting. You know, Jaguars. I like it. But with Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson, it seems to have brought them not only relevancy, but almost a stamp of approval. Now, of course, that, you know, Lawrence has to be great. He has to be what he is supposed to be. But Doug Peterson at least brings sort of a stamp of approval, sort of this idea that you're legit now. Where Urban Meyer last year felt like such a Jaguars hire, right? I mean, everyone knew it would be bad, but it felt like such a Jaguars hire. That ultimately, it was a college coach who most people knew was shady. Most people knew had zero, zero experience with NFL locker rooms, NFL game plan, NFL anything. He openly talked about how he really didn't watch the NFL, just watch college, which makes a ton of sense. If you hear college coaches compared to NFL coaches, a lot of the time college coaches work a lot more hours. They're constantly recruiting. They're constantly doing fundraisers and stuff like that, trying to get more money, all that stuff. So it's it's a 12-month job. They get like a week or two where their assistants and interns do everything. And that's about it. But it was a disaster. Urban Meyer genuinely might be the worst head coaching hire ever. And that's within the same timeline as Adam Gase for the Jets. And I'd still, Urban Meyer, 10 out of 10 times, was by far the worst head coach hire. But now, with Doug, I'm interested in the Jaguars this year, genuinely. I I am fascinated by them. Truthfully, I'm fascinated by both of the two bottom teams from this past year, Detroit and Jacksonville. Detroit, though, I think has a genuine ceiling. I I think Jared Goff can only get them so far. The rest of the team could really exceed expectations and, and excel, but Jared Goff, to me, holds them back. Trevor Lawrence, on the opposite hand, with the Jaguars, genuinely gives me an idea that maybe they could be really good. They could surprise people, right? They could be that surprise worst to first sort of story in the AFC South because I, the AFC South as a whole I find a fake as a fake conference it's just it's just a bunch of frauds that's all it is the Colts feel like a nine and eight team this year that's gonna frustrate the hell out of like a one or two seed at one point in the year Matt Ryan yes is an improvement over Philip Rivers and Carson Wentz it's not much it's in the same tier they're a team, and I feel bad for Colts fans because it's a team that's so well put together and was put together for a quarterback who retired because the previous regime botched the whole thing. That's Andrew Luck. I would have loved to have seen what Andrew Luck could do with this team, even, even as a Bills fan. I am fa- like, I'm fascinated to see what that Colts team could look like with Andrew Luck in it. With a healthy Andrew Luck, with a much better offensive line. What that team could look like. Houston, still rebuilding, but ultimately I don't really know where they're going anyways. I'm a huge Davis Mills defender. But even then, what else do they have on the team? Brandon Cooks seems to be really popping in camp, which is exciting to see because Brandon Cooks has been the perennial trade him for a second-round pick guy. So I'd like to see him you know, find his way onto a roster and stick. Especially if he has a talented-ish quarterback in Davis Mills who can you know, consistently get him the ball and make that work. I don't know really what their long-term potential is. I, I don't really want to say long-term, sh- even short-term this year. 
Because I think they probably only win about five games, maybe, maybe six. And I'm saying maybe with like a big asterisk of like Davis Mills has to throw like 35 touchdowns and be amazing. Because we saw with Deshaun Watson, his last year playing in Houston, he had one of the best statistical seasons we've ever seen of a quarterback. And I think they won four games. They were awful. So ultimately, I mean, team matters, chemistry matters, the vibe in the room matters. Are guys willing to, you know, in the fourth quarter when they're tired, they're exhausted? Do they almost ignore their bodies? And a lot of these guys, if they're on a bad team, yeah, they won't. They're not going to deal with that. They are going to, nope, I am making a business decision. I'm not going to get myself hurt. Absolutely not. And I can more than understand that. But the Jaguars, I'm not, I'm not going to talk about the Titans either. Ryan Tannehill, trash, not good. Not good. I think we found out Arthur Smith played a big part in that. The offense coordinator, he's now the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. I think we're also going to find out even more. You know, the fact that he had A.J. Brown and Derrick Henry really, really helped him and take a lot of pressure off his shoulders. Now with pressure being on his shoulders without A.J. Brown, having to you know break in a rookie wide receiver in uh, Traylon Burks, not going to go well. I think Tennessee's going to be a massive disappointment this year. But the Jaguars, to me, I, there, there is a ceiling but it's a thin one, and it's one they can break through. We're seeing a lot lately in the NFL that these second-year quarterbacks pop off. There's always one or two that really take the league by storm and, and sort of make a name for themselves. A few years ago in 2019, we saw it with Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson opened up that season against the Miami Dolphins. It's still his best passing performance ever. It was unbelievable. Over 300 yards, five touchdowns. I think Marquise Brown... His first game had over 100 yards and two touchdowns. It was unbelievable. They slaughtered him. A few years before that, both Jared Goff and Carson Wentz popped off. Carson Wentz, you know, as much as a, a tailspin his career has been, that 2017 year, he was going to win the MVP if he doesn't tear his ACL in L.A. against the Rams. He was going to win the MVP. He finished that season with 33 touchdowns, seven picks, a little over 60 completion percentage. He had three games left, though. Who's likely going to get around 39 to 40 touchdown passes? Probably be around maybe 10 interceptions. But either way, I mean, he's probably you're going to be a runaway MVP. But he gets hurt with three games left, and Brady's just able to squeak it out. Patrick Mahomes is maybe the greatest case of this. Sits his whole first year, comes in. And actually, he kind of got a name in the preseason, too, that year where he, I mean, they, we're slinging the ball. He looked solid. Had a few bad interceptions, not great. And then the season started, and he exploded. I mean, he was just unbelievable from the word go. I think he had five touchdown passes week two against the Steelers that year. They beat the Chargers. He threw three. He ends the year with 50 touchdown passes. One of, I want to say, three quarterbacks to ever do that, him, Brady, and Manning. Unbelievable. So who's going to be this year's second-year quarterback to do it? Lawrence is in his uniform. He's not playing. I think Lawrence could be somebody that pops off this year. I think absolutely. I mean, he has all of the ability. Without a doubt, he has all of the ability. Came in, it came into the NFL as the prodigy quarterback. You know, the greatest quarterback prospect we've seen since Luck, Manning, and Elway. And to be honest, I like Lawrence better than Luck. I thought Luck turned the ball over too much. And... With Lawrence, you know, it was right away. It was his freshman year. He wins a national title. One of the best quarterback performances I've ever seen against Alabama as a true freshman. So part of me did like him more. But like most people, we were all very nervous in how that would look when 
Urban Meyer was hired. Now he has Doug Peterson, who there's a reason I wanted to bring up Carson Wentz. Doug Peterson ultimately, as you know, yes, he gets fired from the Eagles. But you can't deny the fact that that man, him and Frank Reich, I, I, I will not deny Frank Reich his glory either, but as a head coach and an offensive minded guy and a former quarterback, both him and Frank Reich, helped lead not only Carson Wentz to his best season, he also helped lead Nick Foles to one of the best playoff runs we've ever seen and maybe the best Super Bowl performance by a quarterback ever. That Eagles team looked unstoppable that whole playoff run, even against New England. Looked unstoppable. Tom Brady threw for 500 yards in that Super Bowl. Still lost. Unbelievable. And so I'm, I'm excited to see what Doug, Peter, uh, Doug Peterson can do with Trevor Lawrence. Because as much as I'm saying that 2017 year for Carson Wentz is his best, it's not his only you know good year. I think a lot of people do forget, and, and I'm not you know perfect with this either because of his past two seasons have been such a nightmare. But he throws that, you know, 33 touchdowns, seven picks. The next year, a little bit better. He only plays 11 games, though. 21 touchdowns, seven picks, much better complete percentage. Almost the same amount of yards. I mean, that, that 2018 year, he was good. But in terms of record, they were 5-6 and six when he played. Not that great. And ultimately, he doesn't start that year. Nick Foles does. And he certainly doesn't end the year. Nick Foles ends the year. And that's the year they, uh, they're able to beat Chicago in the playoffs. They lose to New Orleans later. But 2019, Carson Wentz is the first Eagles quarterback ever to have 4,000 yards passing, and not a single one of his receivers had 1,000 yards. I don't think a single one had 500 yards. So Doug Peterson has been able to get really good seasons out of Carson Wentz. Really, the only time we've all thought Carson Wentz was a great quarterback. 2017 to 2019, you can make an argument Carson Wentz was a top 10 quarterback. And to be fair, you likely didn't even think about it. You just threw Carson Wentz in there. The one thing we all wanted to see from him was, could he win a playoff game? 2019, he was well on his way to doing it. He gets knocked out by Jadavion Clowney against the Seattle Seahawks in that wild card game. And then, you know, we all know the next season, 16 touchdowns, 15 picks, well under 60 completion percentage. And he only plays 12 games, but they go 3-1 in of the games he played. It's going to be interesting to see what Trevor Lawrence can do with now in my opinion, is maybe the most underrated head coach in football. And I think partially it's because of the way the, the Eagles really handled that situation as a whole. His ousting was terrible. I, I slightly pay attention to the Eagles. I, I am now this year because I, I genuinely think they're going to be a very good team this year. I think if Jalen Hurts takes any sort of step forward, they're a 12-win team this year. I really like what they can do. But Doug Peterson's ousting in Philadelphia just felt gross. And now he's in Jacksonville. And Jacksonville's not this, like, untalented team. Like, they, they're, are they great? No. But if they get guys that are bought in, that legitimately are believing in what Doug Peterson is, is preaching, and Trevor Lawrence is not broken, and I and I certainly don't think he is, that last game against Indianapolis tells me all I need to know. He's clearly not broken. All he needed to do was get away from Urban Meyer. They still have Marvin Jones. They have a great running back tandem in Travis Etienne, and James Robinson. LaVisca Chenault, as a wide receiver, I'm still up in the air about. Their defense has some playmakers. Are they going to be a playoff team? No. But will I be surprised if they finish second in the AFC, in the AFC South? 
Surprisingly, no, I wouldn't be. Because to me, it always comes down to the quarterback play. Always does. It's why, even though I think Miami's an infinitely more improved team than they were last year, the Bills are, are, to me, it's not even a question, the better team. They will win the division. It's because of quarterback play. It's why I think San Francisco will still be a really good team in the NFC. It's because I think Trevor Trey Lance is a better quarterback right now than Jimmy Garoppolo. He may not be the better thrower, but in terms of scoring points and leading his team to wins, I think he will be because of his athleticism, because of his legs. I think that will allow him that if there's any kinks that he has to get through, any issues he's got to work on, he'll be able to because the legs will offer him something Jimmy Garoppolo never had in San Francisco. It's why I think Seattle might be the worst team in football. Because while Atlanta may not have the same talent, Marcus Mariota is a guy that can get you five wins. Your team could be bad, but he's solid enough he can get you five wins. Drew Locke and Geno Smith with Seattle? It screams two, three wins to me. Denver's a talented team. Drew Locke is a bad quarterback. And that pains me to say as someone that really did believe in Drew Locke. I really liked him. But he is not a good quarterback. I think I think Jacksonville can do something this year. Not make the playoffs, not make a Super Bowl run, but in terms of dragging themselves out of the dumpster, out of you know, essentially off the streets of the NFL and get, in, get into that nightclub. Get into the club where you have a little bit of respect. Because the Jaguars have no respect right now. They have no street cred, nothing. A team that does have a little bit of respect are the Vegas Raiders. I think Derek Carr stunned a lot of people last year. In the fact that you always kind of looked at Derek Carr and went, eh. yeah, he's probably the best kind of version of a guy that you always think you can do better than, but he's on your team for 10 years. That, like, that to me is Derek Carr. You always think, yeah, we can do better, but then 10 years down the road you realize, wow, he, uh, he wasn't that bad for us. Derek Carr with Devontae Adams is a fascinating story. Last year he led the league in passing. 4,800 yards, 23 touchdowns, 14 picks. And look at everything that happened with that Raiders team in terms of just constant chaos. It felt like once a week the Raiders were in the news for a bad reason. Henry Ruggs, John Gruden, Mike Mayock. It just it it was nonstop. And then you add in the fact that they're in a tough division with the Chargers, the Chiefs. The Broncos were always a tough out. And yet they go 10-7, and they get in the playoffs, and they had Cincinnati on the ropes. They had a shot to win that game. But now they've gotten, to me, who's always been an overrated coach in John Gruden, out. They got a bad GM in Mike Mayock out. And the team is bought into Derek Carr. Do I think Derek Carr can win a Super Bowl? Ah, Probably not. Probably not. Do I think he can win them a few playoff games and maybe go on a run? Especially now that they added Devontae Adams, who to me is still the best receiver in football. Yeah. Yeah, I certainly believe that can happen. Without a doubt. Look what he did with a constant revolving door. One of his receivers last year, one of like his number two was Zay Jones. Josh Jacobs was never healthy in the running back spot. Now he gets Devontae Adams. A legit guy. I mean, look at Aaron Rodgers and what he's done with him over these past few years. It basically doesn't matter who the other guys are. It basically does not matter who the other guys are in their receiving core because of how good Devontae Adams is. Derek Carr 
Is he Hall of Famer? No. I think Adams is being a little aggressive when he said I'm going from Hall of Famer to Hall of Famer. But he is going from a Hall of Famer to a really good quarterback. Keelan Cole is a solid receiver. Hunter Renfro was the best slot receiver in football. Easily the best slot receiver in football. And then they have Darren Waller. Josh Jacobs is really, really good if he can stay healthy. They add Zamir White out of Arizona, out of Georgia. One of the one of you know another one of the Georgia running backs. I don't know if Vegas will make the playoffs, but it, it 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 likewise with the Jaguars having a surprisingly good year. I won't be surprised by it. I won't be surprised either if the Raiders can make a playoff run here. If they kind of stun everyone and maybe the Chargers are booted again. The Kansas City Chiefs, with their defense still being so up in the air, and no Tyree Kill, and how do they react to that? Booted out of the playoffs. Denver, the Russell Wilson thing just doesn't work, or Nathaniel Hackett is not a good coach. Booted out of the playoffs. I won't be surprised if the Raiders take that spot. Truthfully, I think the one question mark they have is, is a head coach with Josh McDaniels. I think the fact that we're in the preseason means that he is actually going to stay there. It's not going to. He's not going to pull an Indianapolis Colts on them. But we saw with Denver years ago when he went there how he just be, kind of became a tyrant. How he destroyed what was a solid Denver team to try to fit his image. And two years later he was gone and he had drafted Tim Tebow in the first round and they were a tire fire that essentially desperately needed Peyton Manning to sign there for them to not fall apart completely. And when he did, I mean, that, that team was still good enough to kind of keep pushing and then eventually win the Super Bowl. That's my one fear is that all of a sudden, you know, Derek Carr's traded midway through the year, and while they keep Adams, they get rid of Josh Jacobs, and they get rid of Darren Waller, and they get rid of some of their pieces on the defense, and all of a sudden, you're like, well, what was, what was the point of this? Like, this was a solid team that you just need to come in and, you know, finish the job, and then you can't. I think the Raiders could be a surprising team. I didn't think that for a long time. I did my bowl predictions uh, a few weeks ago, and I never thought, I never even gave the Raiders really a second thought. But the more I think about them, the more I look at their at their roster and their schedule, I think, you know what? The Raiders could surprise some people. The Raiders could genuinely surprise some people. They open up the season with the Chargers. At LA, that means literally nothing. Raiders have a stronger fan base there. They have a stronger fan base in Vegas. It doesn't matter. It's a home game for the Raiders. If they beat the Chargers week one, yeah, it's week one, so it's always one of those like, Eh, you take it with a grain of salt. Don't look too much into it. I kind of would. It's a big division game in a tough division. The Chargers cannot lose that. Because I think the Chargers are also getting to a point, you need to make the playoffs. You have a great quarterback. You need to make the playoffs. Then they get Arizona. Arizona doesn't have DeAndre Hopkins. And I'm very iffy on that whole situation, whatever's going on there. I hate Cliff Kinsbury as a head coach. I think he is a joke of a head coach. And now with Hopkins out, I think they just may be a bad team all around that is talented enough to win a few games, but always be like just that just, they never do what they're supposed to. Then they get Tennessee. I think Tennessee's a bad team this year. They could easily start 3-0. That is a good if eh schedule for them to open up the year. Then they get Denver at home and then at Kansas City to go into the bye. The Raiders, we, we got to remember though too, Derek Carr, for, for all of his faults, has always given Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs fits. Every year he has played them. At least once he gives them fits. If not, beats them. Both the Raiders and Jags, as much as we won't see these guys play tonight, both teams could be surprising this year. I think without a doubt, both teams could be surprising this year. We're going to take a quick timeout and we come back. I'm going to preview what I want to see from the Bills this preseason. Who I want to see get more reps. 
who I think needs to really stand out, and a little bit more. All that coming up here on the Nightcap on WGR. Welcome back into the Nightcap here on WGR. Zach Jones along with you for about the next half hour as we get ready for the Hall of Fame game to begin around 8. Probably more 8.15 if I'm being honest. Even with a preseason game, they do seem to take forever to actually get started. But speaking of the preseason, the Bills do not obviously play this weekend. They play next weekend, the 13th. That should be interesting. So I previewed a little bit of what I want to happen with the Bills, which is essentially I want none of my star players starting. I don't want Josh Allen playing until maybe the third game. Same with basically anybody you can legitimately name. Gabe Davis, Stephon Diggs, Dawson Knox, Edmonds, Milano. The offensive line, I essentially want all of them healthy. All of the starters. Defensive line, Von Miller shouldn't touch the field. I think Ed Oliver now has really solidified himself as someone that should not touch the field. He has been a menace all preseason long, it's felt like. Cornerbacks, Kyer Elam, I think, absolutely has to. Christian Benford, the six-round pick out of Villanova, has seemingly started making a name for himself. He was playing with the ones, I want to say, earlier this week and today. So he could be interesting. I'm I'm excited to watch him just because cornerback has always been one of those positions. Same with running back, where late rounds you can wind up getting NFL starters. And this team has been very much known to do that both with Dane Jackson and Levi Wallace. Levi Wallace was undrafted out of Alabama. He's now on a second contract with Pittsburgh. They paid him pretty well. I mean, he's going to be one of the starting cornerbacks. So you can find that you can find that position anywhere. So I'm very excited to see at least how you know the cornerbacks look. I think especially as well, we've heard a lot about you know a ton of these guys, uh DeMar Hamlin, you know Dane Jackson, someone I really like. Cam Lewis, though, the uh, the uh, the UB product, uh, product has been one of those guys that just he's, he's always seemed to find his way on this roster. Either on the practice squad, but he's never been cut. He's just always been there. And I want to say Sal, you know, earlier this week has kind of talked about, like, he has been one of those guys that just is, like, the perfect example of the process for the Bills, of the development. That he has now become legitimately a player on this team. He's probably going to get some reps, especially with Stephon or uh, with Tre'Davious White. Obviously, still getting better with his torn ACL. He's not fully practicing yet. I don't even think he's actually practicing at all. I think he's just kind of been on the sidelines doing some of his own individual work. Should be interesting. I will tell you though. I want number one. Obviously, as I just pointed out, I want to see the young cornerbacks get a lot of work. I hope they deal with a lot of passing in the preseason. I really do. Because they have a bit of a gauntlet to open up week one with the Rams. Cooper Cup, Allen Robinson, the Sean McVay offense. The fact that Matthew Stafford himself is an elite quarterback. He is on his day. He is phenomenal and near untouchable. He has an arm, especially, again, on his day, that is comparable to Allen and Mahomes. He can make all of the throws. And the Rams themselves are just a great team. So the secondary, which has been a hallmark of the of the Sean McDermott defenses needs to be on point. It needs to have a razor's edge. Especially with the fact that, you know, Tredavious White, he, he really may not be able to go week one. I thought there was definitely a chance. I'm completely up in the air at this point. I don't know if there is. We may have to wait till week two, maybe even week three. I know, I truly have no idea. It's not even me saying I know for a fact. It's just I thought maybe at this point we'd have a little bit more I, I almost want to say information on Trey, especially because 
it seems like every other player that's had a torn ACL is like giving daily updates or the team is like giving almost in-depth updates or with the Bills and this is nothing new and it's not something I hate it's just kind of it is a little frustrating it's oh it's so lock and key it's very you know close to the chest and it's it can be a little frustrating especially when White is so instrumental to the team that you just you don't know what's going to happen there you don't really know what is going on there the wide receivers, to me, though, that outside of the cornerbacks is the, the position I want to see work the most. Number one, you have Jameson Crowder, who effectively we have no idea how good he is, at least on this Bills offense, because we, we haven't been able to see him really. He has gotten hurt early into training camp and essentially is sort of trying to work his way in there. Also, an update on the Hall of Fame game. It is in a rain delay, it looks like. Severe weather's approaching. Please seek shelter immediately. They put that on the Jumbotron out there in Canton, Ohio. So we're all going to have to wait a little bit longer for fun preseason football. That just that feels like the most Hall of Fame game thing ever that all of us kind of know we're only going to watch it for 10 minutes, 15 minutes at the most. And now we've got to wait a little bit longer for it. Because of severe weather. Which, by the way, it looks like it is going to pour there. It looks like it is going to dump in a moment. So that's not ideal. But, back to the Bills. Your wide receiver units. Jamison Crowder. We really don't know what the Bills have in him. He has obviously been, throughout his career, the more consistent slot receiver with both Washington and New York. And he's done that with not great talent around him in terms of quarterback play. I think he had Kirk Cousins for like two years. And that was his you know first two years. Tavon Austin, I think we all came into this completely thinking, well, he's just a random guy that's being brought in. Like, there's nothing, there's nothing really there. He's a camp body. He's a, he's, you know, he's a name from a few years ago, especially in his years with West Virginia. But ultimately, he, you know, came into the league essentially as a gadget guy and has been that since. He was a first round pick of the St. Louis Rams, and he just was never able to become a legitimate receiver for them. He essentially was always a gadget guy. But every report out of camp is that Tavon Austin is actually he actually looks pretty good. He actually looks like a wide receiver out there, not a gadget guy, not the new version of Isaiah McKenzie. He might be a guy. Then you have Khalil Shakir. He has been making plays all throughout camp. He has been a guy that has looked so smooth. From every report I've read, I've seen, every video I've watched. He just looks smooth. It looks effortless for him. He looks like he should have been drafted in the third round rather than the fifth. And he's getting the added bonus that ultimately McKenzie, at, at least at the at, you know at this juncture right now, at this point, has seemingly locked down the slot receiver spot. Josh Allen talked about it today when he was speaking with the media as well. Shakir is just trying to find himself a role. He is willing to move around. He's been moved from the slot to the outside, you know, and back and forth and back and forth. He's just trying to find himself a role he can grab onto and work. And that is always going to be something, especially if you're a later round pick, especially if you're in a position like wide receiver where there are a number of spots and they can get you on the field. They will figure out a way to do it. So with him, the fact that he is working hard from the word go and he's getting praise from an all-pro quarterback, from his head coach, I think we could get a lot of Khalil Shakir in the preseason. I think he is going to become a name that Bills fans really do become accustomed to because we see him catching passes from Matt Barkley and Case Keenum a ton. 
I think he will get a ton of work on the outside. I have been one to say it, and I'm going to keep saying it until I'm literally proven wrong. I think his future is absolutely in the outside, and he'll have you know moments in the slot. But I want I and I, and I always bring this up when when I talk about this. Stephon Diggs started his career as a draft pick, a fifth round draft pick of the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, he's really going to be a slot guy. He doesn't really have the size to be an outside guy. There isn't 10 wide receivers better than Stephon Diggs in the outside. There, You can make an argument there isn't five. And he came into the league looking better than a fifth-round pick. Khalil Shakir, already in camp, looks better than a fifth-round pick. I think he is going to work wonderfully in this Bills offense, especially because the Bills sort of look like they're going towards more, they're going to have a lot of slot guys. But I think at some point in the year, I think number one, Khalil Shakir could really wind up having himself the Gabe Davis role of the last two years, where he is clearly the third outside guy. They scheme him open a lot, and he's, and he's able to catch like six touchdown passes just because he's a guy that, that, that just works. He catches two balls, one of them's a touchdown. And one of and that touchdown he was schemed wide open, and Josh just needed to find him. And that's fine. It's a great role to have. Because as we see, when once you work, once you really get in, in you know, in the lab with Chad Hall, Bill's wide receiver coach, Gabe Davis, Gabe Davis. I mean, there's a reason why he is the hottest name in fantasy football. One of the hottest names in terms of, you know, potential boom player at the wide receiver position. There's a reason for that. And it's not just because of the playoff game. There's an elite trait there. For me, it was always his sideline ability. He seemed to just be able to know exactly where the sideline was where to put his feet, how to catch the ball on the sideline, and just make unbelievable catches. Just unbelievable catches. Khalil Shakir, to me, also has a little bit of an elite trait. Brett Coleman, he's on YouTube, does a lot of film breakdowns of pretty much every single team. You can find him um, you know, on YouTube, at Brett Coleman. Wonderful. He's been on the station as well with Show the Bulldog very recently. To talk about Khalil Shakir, he called him a mini Debo Samuel, or a diet Debo Samuel, because he's 6'2", about 210, runs about a 4'4". Low 4-4. He is a bruiser. He is somebody that I can definitely see the Bills just trying to get him the ball. Especially with the Bills' run game. You know, they draft James Cook. Cook himself is not a traditional running back. Now, Zach Moss, it, it sounds like from camp, you know, the fact that his career is dead sounds a little bit overblown. It actually sounds like he's having a good camp. Singletary's looked explosive. But we saw in the Bills, once they got that offensive line going, really once Ryan Bates came in at that guard position, they were able to do much better run blocking. I would not be surprised if the Bills, because Isaiah McKenzie, I think, really is going to establish himself as one of the main three weapons of this offense with wide receiver because the starting slot is the th- is the third target on this team, without a doubt. I could see a world where Khalil Shakir somewhat takes over that Isaiah McKenzie role of taking the ball to the backfield. And instead of just being the speedster, he's a little bit more of a bruiser. He's someone that's going to run through holes and has some breakaway speed. I really do envision a, a world where Khalil Shakir does have a legitimate spot on this offense. That by the end of the year, he is without a doubt, at least to Bills fans and to a lot of NFL fans, becoming a household name. Because they will try to get him the ball out. And in the fantasy community, he may be somebody that is a late-round grab or somebody you pick up off of waivers because the Bills will be putting ways to get him the ball. Because you know, with Gabe, with Stefan, and now I think with Isaiah McKenzie, it's going to be tough to kind of work them around to kind of be the gadget guy as well. Shakir can do that. We're hearing it now from Josh Allen. We're hearing it now 
from Sean McDermott. He is just working to get himself a role on this team, and I think he has all the athletic ability to do that. We're going to take a quick time out when we come back. In baseball, a record was set earlier today, and it is a painful one for me. We'll talk about that when we come back here on the Nightcap on WGR. Welcome back to the Nightcap here on WGR. Quick segment. As we wrap up the night and we head into the Hall of Fame game, which is still, I believe, in a weather delay due to severe weather. It does look like it is going to pour, though, in Canton, Ohio. So we'll see when that game actually does start up. But a little bit of a baseball note as we close out the show. So as if you don't know, I am a Los Angeles Angels fan. It's not because I grew up in California. Uh, my dad was an Angels fan due to uh, you know being the bat boy with them, having dinner with a player. You know, Very nice story. Makes sense why, they're, why, why he's a fan. I don't love it anymore. It, it's the most painful experience of my sports life now. So as an Angels fan, I'm checking the score today. They're playing early. They're playing Oakland. And I'm you know checking out the score. And they lost. And it's you know, whatever. It's nothing new. It doesn't hurt. What does hurt is the constant reminder that this team will do crazy amazing things, break records, and still lose. Well, today, the Angels set a franchise record. Seven sh- solo shot home runs. Seven runs, seven solo shot home runs. Unbelievable, right? You're thinking, well, yeah, Otani hit him. They're doing that without Trout, who's dealing with a back injury. Walsh hit one. Amazing. Otani hit two. They lost eight to seven. They never led the game. I mean, is there? It's so frustrating. I'd be frustrated if I wasn't an Angels fan because it truly is. When I was on the morning show, Jeremy White. Read out the tweet too, and, and I'll paraphrase it because I obviously don't have it in front of me, but it is essentially Mike Trout hit three home runs, Otani hit two, and pitched, you know, eight innings and struck out ten. The Angels lose six to five. That's what it is. It's every single time that's what it is. Otani has two solo shot home runs. The offense is putting up runs. They were clearly putting balls out of the park. Couldn't get anyone else on base. Couldn't do anything else. And they lose 8-7. to seven. It's unbelievable. It is a constant pain for me to be an Angels fan. But it is what it is. I'm 23 now. At this point, they're my team. And I just got to kind of deal with it. And I'm okay with it. I'm fine with it. Because you know what? The Bills have kind of proven to me that there are dark periods. And sometimes you never really get out of them. The Detroit Lions. To a certain extent, the Seattle Mariners. But you got to believe... Because at some point, you may get a player like Josh Allen and a team that just really puts it together, and there you go, and you're off to the races. That's going to do it here on the Nightcap. Thank you for listening. Coming up now, of course, in probably just a few minutes, the Hall of Fame game. Football is back. Thank you for listening. I'll be back with Chopin the Bulldog tomorrow starting at 3 for Friday as we head into the weekend. So thank you for listening to the Nightcap here on WGR.